0: church family. My name is Tom. I'm the pastor here. I'm sure Wendy has already introduced me to you. And I want to thank Wendy and the rest of our team for their leadership. While I can't be with you this weekend, uh, I wish I could be with you in person, but I'm so glad that we can still open up God's word together uh, through the blessing of technology in this way. And I am really excited about the message today um, that we have from Jesus and the parable uh, that we're going to read in our study on the gospel of Mark. And so if you would, please open up the Bible that you have in front of you, if you brought one to church with you, if you didn't, take the one out in the pews and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Our reading is going to begin at verse 1, and instead of just reading through it, I found a video uh, by a church in California that helps us to imagine this parable in the words of Jesus as we envision what the kingdom of God is like. And so let's listen to Jesus' words as we watch.
1: Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mark 4 1
0: through 9. Now I'm traveling this week, and whenever I travel someplace like a big city, I'm always Particularly mindful of the things that I get to see that aren't as common in where I'm coming from, like a small town like Elkhorn. For example, I always loved to see street musicians. I think it started when I was just a kid. Uh, My dad would take us to O'Hare Airport. We grew up in Illinois, and our grandma lived out of state, so she'd have to fly in to visit us. And as a small child, I remember going there to greet her, and as we would find her terminal, because that was in the days when you could go to the terminal. we would always pass by these street musicians, and and they were usually jazz musicians, and they were amazing. Uh, they would play saxophone and clarinets, and, and they played for donations, and I would just stare as we walked by. And then the older that I got, the more I started to not just notice the musicians, but I would also notice all the things that were happening around them. You had these business people in suits that were, were just busy going to where they were. We're going, you had families with suitcases on vacation. And I started to wonder a bunch of things. I had so many questions like, like how can this musician be so talented? And they're sharing their talent. It's right there, it's amazing. And all of these people are so busy that they can't even notice. They're, they're not even noticing, they're just passing by. And it's never that the music isn't good. As as a matter of fact, most of the time, the music is breathtaking, and it's not too quiet. Usually, it's actually quite loud. It's that most of the time, the people passing by are too busy to notice, too busy to care. And that reminds me of a commentator I read on this passage some years ago, who quoted the old jazz musician, Louis Armstrong. He was asked, uh, how do you define jazz? And the way that he answered that question was, man... When you gotta ask what it is, you'll never get to know. See, most music is like that. You gotta, you gotta hear it to experience it. You have to be there, and and you could say that about a lot of the things in life. The best things in life, like like a good meal, you've gotta taste it. And we call true love something that can't be described. You have to, you have to feel it. And. And just like music in the airport, it can be easy to pass by all of it, right? While it's playing in the background. Have you you ever squandered a a delicious meal that somebody made for you because you were so hungry that you just scarfed it down? Uh, have, Have you ever missed a moment in life because you were so distracted by all the things happening around you? I think we all can say that we have, and in the Gospel of Mark and the story of Jesus here is suggesting to us that the good news of God that comes to us through Jesus is kind of like that. It's good news. It's always good news. The question that's being posed by the story is, are we paying attention? Are we good soil, as Jesus puts it? And that leads us into our third week in this series we're calling The Way. We're we're reading through the entire Gospel of Mark. It's the story of the way of Jesus. And we're just getting started in Jesus' earthly ministry. It's the beginning. He's called the 12 disciples at this point. He's performed healings. He's taught crowds. Last week we saw that as he healed the paralyzed man because of the faith of his friends. And these crowds just continue to follow. Him And the crowd in chapter 4 is so big that Jesus has to get out on a boat just to address the crowds of people that are gathered there. And yet, even where Jesus is teaching in this particular moment carries significance around what he's about to say. Um, take a look at it with me, chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd was gathered around him, and it was so large that he got into a boat, and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore on the water's edge. Now, I highlight the word shore because in the original Greek language, it's the same word that's translated later on in the parable as Soil, And so there's a connection between this and what Jesus is about to teach. Let's continue with verse 2. Jesus taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they were withered, they were withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, I don't know about you, but this to me almost sounds cryptic and And if you don't understand what Jesus is teaching, you're not alone. The 12 disciples didn't get it either. And we see that in the following verses. Verse 10, when Jesus was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked Jesus about the parables. And he told them, he said, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving And ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. To which the twelve disciples looked at Jesus and said, Oh, now I get it, that makes perfect sense. No, that's not at all what they said. Uh, These words are actually a quote from the prophet Isaiah, who spoke them some 700 years before this moment that Jesus is reciting them. And he, he spoke for God, and yet if you remember from the beginning of our journey as we journeyed with Israel, these people, they saw the words of God, but they did not perceive. They heard, but they did not understand. They were They were like busy travelers traveling through the airport, and there's this beautiful music playing, and they don't even stop to listen. There were people in Jesus' day that were not listening to the words. Crowds of people that were out on the shores there following Jesus, and yet they couldn't understand. And so this is why Jesus is teaching. Verse 13, Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Then how are you going to understand any parable? What he's trying to teach these closer people, the 12 and the others that are close enough to be close and ask him questions, he's trying to teach them that just because you're close to me doesn't mean you're any better than the crowds that I was teaching before. And and we get this wrong today too, don't we? I mean, we've all met people, we've maybe been these people, religious people that think that if I just go to church, if I'm just surrounded by the right people, if I'm somehow in proximity to holy things, that that will make me holy. And there's... There's a reason that we're calling this series The Way and not The Place, uh, because the truth of Christmas is that Jesus brought the presence of God everywhere. This is not just one place, it's a way and faith. Proximity alone isn't enough. Uh, It doesn't make any more sense than to say that a traveler is going to enjoy a street musician's music just because they happen to be close to them. If you're busy, your coat could even brush up against the instrument of an incredibly talented musician, and you might not even remember hearing anything, not a single note, because you were too busy to notice. So in the words of Jesus, what he's trying to explain in this story is that the seed won't take root. The seed of the good news of Jesus won't take root if we're not good soil. And and chances are, when I say that, most of us, myself included, feel some level of conviction because we know that we're probably not the best kind of soil. Uh, we can relate to the busy traveler traveling through the airport. I'm literally a busy traveler this weekend traveling through the airport, so you need to hold me accountable next Sunday and ask me if I notice the music, okay? I want you to make sure to ask me that. Uh, but I also want to mention to all of us here today, I want to point out that, that this is a message of grace for anyone who seeks to understand Uh, Because Jesus answers the question, what does this parable mean? In verse 14, he says this. He says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, they hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy, but since they have no roots, they only last a short time, and when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things, they come in and they choke the word, making it it unfruitful others like seed sown on good soil they hear the word they accept it and they produce a crop some 30 some 60 some 100 times what was sown he who has ears let him hear Now, there's both challenge and grace in this parable, and I want to point out both. I want to begin with the grace, and and I want to notice here, I want to invite you to notice here with me that that the way in which the seed is planted, says Jesus, is like a farmer that plants seed. Full disclosure, I'm not a farmer, I can't grow much of anything, Um, but as I imagine how is seed grown... You know, I wonder, does, does a farmer take a bucket of seed and go out into acres and acres to plant it? And do they, do they take every individual seed out of the bucket and place each one in the perfect place? Do you think, you think that's how a farmer plants seed? I don't think so. I'm not a farmer, but I've done a little bit of research, and, and I know that, that farmers don't do that. They, they throw the seed, right? They, they throw the seed, or they have a machine, right, that's going to throw the seed. And by nature, a farmer knows that, that as you throw out seed, not every seed is going to take root, but they sow the seed anyway, and they plant on every kind of soil that there is, and then they pray like crazy for the rain. And I point this out because, because the grace of God is that God is the farmer, right? Who is indiscriminate about the seed. We, we, we like to discriminate as religious people all the time and say, well, God is only planting seed in these people or in these places or in these particular conditions. But Jesus says, the seed goes out everywhere. The seed goes out everywhere. It's what it's what Jesus said in Mark 1.15, the kingdom of God is at Hand. It's here. That's the grace. And so that's the grace. What's the challenge? The challenge is, how do we allow that seed to grow in us? And the requirement is good soil. And and Jesus shows us what isn't good soil. And I'm going to lead you through each one of these. The first one is ill-prepared soil. It's the soil along the path. It's soil that doesn't even have chance to grow. It's, it's like the busy traveler that's passing by the music. They, they won't even remember what they heard because they didn't prepare to listen they, they didn't create margin in their schedule they're busy running to their flights and, and and the question for us is how can we expect to hear God's message the beautiful music of the gospel of Jesus how can that seed take root in our lives if we're not even listening we're not creating the context for that and it's it's very simple to do that it's to spend quiet time it's to study god's word it's to be in church it's to pray and and I'm sure that we would all say we could use more of those things in our lives, but I also know that by preaching, I'm literally preaching to the choir here, right? You're in church. You've created this space in order to be good soil. And so let's move on to the next type of soil, uh, Jesus says, is constrained soil. It's the soil that is on rocky places. And and it's not that the seed in this soil doesn't sprout, it's that there's no place for those seeds to grow. And so what happens is it sprouts, but then it dies. And Every few years, I, I share this this picture. It's a, it's a, it's an illustration of what Jesus is describing here. It's a maple tree that I planted as a seed when I was in first grade, and to this day, it's still growing in the backyard of my childhood home. Uh, and this tree has taught me so many things about this parable of Jesus over the years. I I remember planting that tree as just a seed in a Dixie cup in our classroom. It was in the winter time, and and that was great for a. While but eventually it grew and we had to move it into like this little bowl thing and then eventually we moved it into a pot and after that spring came and we brought all of those seeds to plant in the ground at our homes and the reason why is because a plant is only going to grow into the space that it's been given and that's something Jesus is teaching us here in this parable because the same is true in the kingdom of God we want our faith to grow, the area of our soil needs to grow as well. And, and this can naturally happen as we grow in years, right? It's why somebody who's, who has been faithful to God for years might have more wisdom than somebody who's early on in their path. And yet I'm also mindful that just being older doesn't necessarily make us more faithful. You can be 90 years old and, and still have a very immature faith because you never let the seed of your faith leave the Dixie cup. Uh, you may have a whole lifetime of soil now, but, but if you never let the seed out of the sandbox of your faith, those roots only grow so deep and the tree can only grow so tall. And so, so how does this apply to the way we live out our faith? It's when we compartmentalize our faith to just a few things like church on Sunday, or maybe your bedtime prayers and, and you say other places in life, those places are off limits. I'm not letting the seed of faith grow in my marriage, for example, or in my job, right? I gotta, I can't bring God to work. Uh, and, and we always have good excuses for those things, right? Like, like maybe we might say my spouse isn't a good isn't a person of faith or or i don't have time right now life is too busy and and the truth is those excuses forget what Jesus is describing about the presence of God, and that is that it is a seed of faith that God has already decided to plant everywhere. Our job is not to decide where it's going to be planted. Our job is to cultivate cultivate the soil. And, and how do you know just how well that seed of faith is going to grow in your marriage if you're not even willing to let it in? Maybe there's a place in your life of guilt or of shame or of darkness, something you've done wrong and you've stuffed away. And and I wonder, what would it look like for the seed of faith to grow there? That's what Jesus is talking about with this kind of soil. The next one is is distracted soil. This is the, the seed sown among the thorns. Uh, the seed grows, but it, it never has uh, time to actually grow up because it's competing with a bunch of other things, and and sometimes those are even good things, neutral things, and other times it's things like weeds, things that are sucking the nutrients and the life from the good plants around them. And an example that Jesus gives is the deceitfulness of money. It's not that that money is is good or bad. Money is a neutral thing, uh, but we've all heard what Jesus said in Matthew right? Nobody can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other. You'll be devoted to one or despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. It's not that that money is a bad thing, but if you're living for money, if you're always thinking about money and how much you have and how much you wish you had and, and all of those things, eventually it will take away it will compete with your thoughts of God. You can't Serve both. And so that's what Jesus is referring to here. And then he gets to the last one, the one we all want to be, and that's good soil. Good soil. And I've shared this before. You know know what makes soil fertile for things to grow in? Poop. Poop, or if you want to be more agricultural, we could we could say compost, right? But but either way, it's it's organic material that decomposes and produces nutrients that make plants grow. It's it's stuff that was alive and now it's dead. It's it's people using things like old food and dead plants and dead fish, and yes, even. something alive that has gone through the process of death and by going through death is used to produce new life. Now it's at this that I I wish I could tell you that there's a different way here. I wish I could tell you that to be good soil and allow the seed of faith to grow in you and me, I wish that these kingdom truths could could grow and flourish into a beautiful plant in us. If you could just take some kind of spiritual miracle grow and, and, and sprinkle it on your Bible quickly and go out, and that's the way that this works. But, but friends, it's not. It's not the way that it works. To. The only way for good soil to, to, to be truly rich, for, for things new to grow and to thrive, is that something has to die in order for new things to live. And, and before you ask the question, actually you can ask the question, you're probably going to say, well then pastor, in order to be good soil, does that mean I have to die? Well, The answer to that is yes, but you already knew that. We all are going to die, and we're dying in big ways and small all the time. The good news is that Jesus came to die first. Jesus came to die first to give his life as a ransom for many to make your life and mine good soil. So even in our deaths, the hope is that death itself is not the end, but like compost, it will be the beginning of a new and everlasting and eternal life that goes on forever. And Jesus says that is what the kingdom of God is like. And the truth is it always has been. That's why the psalmist foretold it when he said in Psalm 126, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I mean, is it not the moments in life when we invite the seed of God's hope to grow in us are not the same moments that are the moments of our deepest pain and loss? Isn't that where we need the seed of faith to grow? And I don't know about you, but isn't that the place where we find ourselves drawn closest to God as well? That's why Jesus said in verse 17, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I've not called, come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. And you know why? Because sinners make good soil. Sinners make good soil when they turn back to him. And that's a relief, because I'm a sinner, and so are you. And so the same invitation applies to us that applied last week. The way we apply this to become good soil is come to Jesus. Allow Jesus in to every place in your life. Allow the seed of faith That Jesus tells us the farmer has planted in us. Let it out of the Dixie cup. Let it into every place, every nook and cranny. Come to Jesus so the seed of faith and salvation may grow and thrive in you and me as well. Amen.